Hey, this is Joseph Massonary. I'm the pastor at Cornerstone, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you. I hope this helps you build your faith. I hope in some way that God will challenge you with a new perspective as you listen. Enjoy the message. If you have a Bible today, would you open it up? And we're going to kind of camp out for a little while in the book of uh, in the book of Mark, chapter six. Mark, chapter six. But um, can we just get into God's word as we talk about a subject that I think we probably should should preach about every three months or so? And it's the topic, and, and you can see it on the screen. It's the topic of this idea called honor. This idea called honor, and, and how many of you here today, uh, we don't like to like say this out loud, but how many of you today would raise your hand and say, I want God's blessing on my life? Sometimes we think like we need to like, right, we, we, we get it that there's going to be people that disagree with Jesus, but how many of us would say, I want God's blessing, I want God's favor, and I want it over all these different areas of my life. I, I, I would hope each of us today would say, yeah, I want like a double portion of that, right? So as we get into this, this topic, um, I, I would just say, man, I want it over my, my family, my marriage, my kids, my job. I want God's blessing and I want his favor everywhere. And oftentimes, um, I want to be clear this morning, although yes, it can apply to our finances when we put God first and we honor him in our finances, I'm not necessarily talking about God's blessing and God's favor completely. I'm not, I'm not talking about money completely, right? Uh, a lot of times I think in our culture, and our mindset, that's the first thing. When we think of blessing and we think of favor, is that often the first thing we think about? Quite, quite possibly, right? But I want to I wanna be clear this morning, that's not what I'm talking about in its entirety today. Today I want to talk about this truth that I, I believe the Bible speaks, honor is a virtue that attracts blessing, would you write that down in your notes today? Honor is a virtue that attracts God's blessing. And I think we live in a culture, and we live in a society, and we live in a time, and we always have. Each and every generation has their moments, their points where we can look back, where we were probably very focused on ourselves. We can all probably agree with that. But we live in a, a society where honor Quite possibly, could we say it like this, honor is a bit of an extinct, almost an extinct virtue today. That's a good chance to say amen. Anybody agree with that? I don't care if you're like 12 all the way up to like whatever, right? Honor is almost an extinct virtue today. It's not one that we talk about. You know, and, and, and sadly, it's a concept that we have seen it even creep into the church. We've seen it creep into the church by the way that we parent the way that we talk to each other, or sometimes we don't go face-to-face -face and talk to each other, but it's, it's a virtue that sometimes we don't put on display when we talk about each other, right? But it's a concept, this, this idea of honor, I believe it, it moves us very, it's, it's deep emotionally, it gets us excited. Emotionally, it has the ability to, to move us, it has the, 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 um, uh, the ability to, to get us like thinking about things, but it's a concept that I believe is rarely taught or rarely encouraged and sometimes never caught. How many of us love, uh, some of my favorite movies are built around this concept of someone standing for something and not budging. 
Someone standing for, for what they believe in so much that they, they will give up anything for it. I, I think of like characters like, I just I always go to it, but like William Wallace. Anybody remember this movie? Come on now. A man that cannot be bought, a man that cannot be bribed, right? This sense of honor. I think of like uh, the, the old movie like Tombstone. You mess with my family, I'm coming after you, right? And that's a little bit more of a revenge story, but still a great 90s movie, right? Uh, you know, you think of whatever it is, the concept. You take your pick, but there, there's, there's this display of honor that we see sometimes in film. We made a mistake, and, and we did skip through a few parts, but my kids, some reason in school, they've been asking me to see this movie. You ready for it? And I'm like, I don't know, guys. It's PG-13, and we got to skip some parts, if you know what I'm saying. But they've been really asking for like a month to see the movie Titanic. And I'm like, because some kids in their class told them how great it was, and I'm like, girls, like, emotionally, this is going to take you to a place you've never been, <laughs> right? Like, we're going to skip over some parts, there's some few things, right? We're going to skip through that. But, um, so I let them watch parts of it, and what do you know, by the end of it, one of my daughters looks over and she's like, I've never seen daddy cry before, and I'm over there like, <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I, you know, you still watch a movie like that, and you think like, one day, he's just like, Rose is not going to like let go and break his hand into the ocean, like, right? Like the, the way they're just, oh, one day, I'm like, come on, couldn't he have fit on the door? Couldn't he have fit on the door with you, Rose? Like, could you give it more than one shot, right? But we watched parts of this, but even I noticed a scene where, there's that scene where Rose gets lowered onto the escape boat and Jack refuses, right? There's a sense of honor among some of the men where they're gonna go down with the ship. They're not gonna take up a position on the life raft. And so we talk about this idea of honor in a sense where it can cost us so much. It's a virtue that we love, it's a virtue, but it's not always a virtue that we live out. It's a virtue that we love to witness and to see, but it's not always a virtue that we love to do. And I wanna talk about how can we live out honor in the everyday, and even this, I believe God has called us to live out honor in the ordinary situations of life. Because often we think of these big moments where honor and courage and things are put on display, but how do we live out honor in the ordinary? How do we live out honor in the ordinary? The word honor, and I don't know if I put this in your notes, if you have your notes, would you break out your smartphone, bring them up, but in the Webster's Dictionary, it's, it's pretty simple, it says this, the esteem due or paid worth. It says high estimation, a, a, a testimony of esteem, any expression of respect or high estimation by words or actions by words or actions if you've been in the bible this week and if you read scripture routinely you'll know that one of the most common themes in the bible talks about running this race that we call life running the race called life and doing what and finishing poorly or something i'm just checking to see if you're with me right scripture actually talks a lot about finishing what finishing well Finishing strong, finishing right, finishing with, I would say this, finishing, one of the ways we can do it is by finishing with honor. It doesn't tell us, you know what I'm, I'm really thankful for, the Bible doesn't say to start perfect. It doesn't say to be perfect. It doesn't say you have to start the fastest, to run the fastest, or be, to be, to be the best, or the biggest, or to be perfect in your teen years, or your 20s, or your 30s, right? How many of us are thankful for that? Now I will say, right, to, to young people here today, Right? There's always grace and covering and forgiveness, but very often there's always a price we pay for decisions that we make as teenagers and as we make in our 20s. Amen? We can all say amen to that, right? 
Well, as we get into God's Word, Scripture constantly talks about this test of endurance, this test of running the race with endurance, finishing well. And the older you get, you will realize you can work your life, you can work 80 hours a week to build an effective money-making machine called a small business, whatever it is, and a few poor choices, a few poor decisions, You can spend a lifetime accumulating and building something, and a few choices can bring it all down. You can spend a lifetime building a a healthy marriage, a happy home, and a few bad choices can bring all of it to an end. We all face these these moments where life-defining decisions are made, and with a single choice, a single poor decision, we know that we have the ability to undo all that we have worked towards. Right? With a single decision, we have the ability to undo all that we have worked for. And so I want to talk a little bit. How do we live a life of honor? How do we complete this race called life with honor? Would you read in Mark chapter 13, verse 13, really quick? It says, all men will love you because of Jesus. Mm, I wish it said that. Don't want that be cool? Right? Right? I'm just checking to make sure you're paying attention this morning. Wouldn't that be cool if the Bible always said what we want it to say? Because we like, as much as I pretend not, like as much as we want to pretend that it doesn't matter, we, we, we enjoy being liked. Or at least we enjoy like people not talking complete smack about us, right? Right? We enjoy being liked, but the Bible says this, and, and actually Jesus said this. Oftentimes, right, we love to point to different scriptures and the, the, the softballs maybe that Jesus threw, but then there's some inconvenient scriptures that Jesus, that he's recorded saying, and this is one of them, I think he says, all men will hate you because of me. But then he says this, would you underline this, would you circle it, it says, he who stands firm, and circle this at the end, it says, to the end. Make sure we get that. It doesn't say stands firm in your 20s, stands firm in your 30s or 40s, no, it says, he who stands firm to the end will be saved. All throughout Scripture, we see this theme, this encouragement to steadfast, hold strong, keep going, don't give up, finish well, finish well. It's so important, but I'm convinced the greatest way we can finish well is to build your life on the concept, on the principle of honor. Building our life on the principle of honor, right? Being able to make the right decisions when those life-changing moments happen. We all know, and, and I love this when we talk about Blessing, when we talk about God's blessing in our home, in our health, whatever it might be, right? Um, We all know that accepting Christ is one of the greatest gifts we can experience on this earth. We're going to start next week, and I hope you're excited. We're going to start our Easter. Believe it or not, we're going to start our Easter series. Who's ready for that, right? Because next week is going to be like five weeks till Easter Sunday. We're there. Like, wow, party time, celebration. But we're going to get into some Easter stories once again this year. Uh, but but as we, as we kind of get there, we talk about the eternal rewards a lot. But the Bible is clear that we aren't just talking about salvation when it comes to God giving his kids, when it comes to God giving us gifts. How many of us like gifts? Five of us, two of us, right? Sometimes, you know what, I, I honestly will say this, I enjoy giving gifts a lot more than receiving gifts. Anybody say amen to that? 
I don't know that I'm the best at receiving gifts. I went to Sammy's Friday night, and if, if you guys are watching online, I'm going to throw a big thank you out. But I went to Sammy's with my wife during our amazing kids' night, and there was a couple there that said, hey, we watch online every week since COVID, right? We, we watch you online. Thank you, thank you. And they walked over, and they brought us the check. And, I, and me and my wife were like, it was kind of like, this feels weird. Anybody ever had someone bless you sometimes, like giving you a gift, and you're like, wow, what a blessing. Like, so what, a, what an amazing, what an amazing blessing. It was so super cool. Like, as parents, don't we enjoy giving gifts to our kids, to our sons, to our daughters, even in your te- like teenagers in the house? Don't you enjoy giving gifts to your friends, right? I remember my, my kids, they were making their Valentine's Day cards for the entire class because they're too young to make Valentine's for individuals. So we don't do that in our house quite yet, right? We will, we will. I'm sure they will someday. Dad's in trouble. But, uh, you know, it's fun to give gifts, and I think our Heavenly Father's no different. Look at this in James chapter 1, verse 16. James says, don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and what? Perfect gift is from above. Let's read that again. Every good, every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. I love to give gifts to my kids. I love to give wonderful gifts to my girls, to my family members. As a parent, I love to bless them. And I think sometimes we need to remember our Heavenly Father is no different. Our Heavenly Father is no different. Would you take a moment and just write down, get your thumbs hot, get your thumbs ready to go, get your pen out, but would you just write down, what are some of the gifts God has blessed you with right in this moment? What's something you could be thankful for? Just, you know what, God, like, thank you so much, right, for my grandkids, for this situation. God, what, thank you so much for this, this bride sitting next to me, this person that I get to do life with my best friend. God, thank you for the friends that you have blessed me with. What is it, what are some gifts that God has given you today? Because our Heavenly Father loves to give gifts. He loves to bless. In our text today, we're going to read through a couple stories and I want to examine a, a portion of Scripture that is, there's a few portions of Scripture that are just some of my favorite, and today is, is one of those. It's a story about Jesus returning to his hometown. It's a story about Jesus going home to his hometown. And we're going to read it today, Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Will you read along with me? Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples, When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Don't you find it interesting that we don't always know what it was Jesus taught about, but there's a common theme. When people heard him teach, the Bible says this many times, they were what? They were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Well, tell me if you know these are pretty good questions to ask when you're seeing God do something. Where did he get these things? And Because you know what? The answer always points back to someone. It always points somewhere. It's always pointing to God. Where did he get these things? But then here we go. It takes a turn in verse 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the janitor? Isn't this the plumber? Isn't this the electrician? Isn't the, you know, insert title. Isn't this the bank teller? Isn't this the manager of Chick-fil-A? Who's hungry now all of a sudden, right? 
But look at the, the way it's spoken about. And I, even, I like to even insert like, isn't this, this isn't in here, but isn't this the son of the carpenter? Right? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters right here with us? Aren't his sisters like, you know, maybe his sisters live a block away. And then look at this at the end of the verse. It says what? They took offense at him. So, like, what is going on here? On one hand, it says, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Look at this wisdom that's been given him. Where did this man get these things? It says, they heard him teach and they were amazed. But then look at how verse 3 ends up. It says, he's just the carpenter's son. He's just the carpenter himself. And it says, they took offense. They took offense. To the locals, to the neighbors in his hometown, he was just the carpenter. He was just the carpenter's son. He, he, you know, he, he isn't educated enough. He's not trained enough to be a rabbi, and yet more, he just claimed, like there's a scripture that says he, he, he pulled out the, the scrolls of Isaiah and he prophesies about himself, right? And, and, and I wonder if some of them are like, that's the same kid that sat next to me in school, right? We went to the same school together. We eat at the same places, right? We celebrated birthdays to bar- together <laughs> with the bounce houses and everything. Would you write this down? Jesus didn't fit their mental image of the Messiah. Jesus prophesied. He, he, he as much as told people who he was, if you would listen, right? But he didn't fit the image, what they saw a Messiah should be or what they thought he would be. This passage blows me away. Because in just a few moments, we're going to keep reading. But what we're going to read about in, in the verses to come is we're going to see that Jesus was actually restrained a bit. He was, uh, we could say it like this, he was held back, right? And we're going to see that at the end of this section of Scripture, Jesus didn't really do too many works in Nazareth. All throughout his ministry, we see him heal people. He heals the, the sick People that are paralyzed begin to walk. Blind people begin to see. Dead people live again. And not just in a spiritual sense, but in a physical sense. We see Jesus and his miracles on display. But we're going to look at what happens that is so different in his hometown. We're going to see something affect him in his ministry. There's only going to be a few sick. In fact, let's read on in Scripture. Verse 4. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown, among his relatives, and his own home. And look at verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He could not. Notice it doesn't say he would not. You know what I mean? Because we believe Jesus was fully man, yet he was fully God. This is an interesting scripture. What is going on, right? And these people, they're, they're waiting for this conquering king. They're waiting for this person to lead the crowds, to lead the generations. They're waiting for a Messiah. And what they're waiting for is someone, deliver us from the Romans. Deliver us from the oppression. But here we go, and, and would you write this down? Because scripture often reveals this. And I think the Holy Spirit often reveals this, if we're really in tune with the Lord and letting him speak to us on a daily basis, getting into his word, when you go in the car, just putting on some scripture. If we allow the Holy Spirit to speak, here's what I think happens quite a bit. Number one, would you write this down? Often God will send us what we need in a package we don't want. 
(laughs) Often God will send us what we need in a package we don't want. God sent his son. He sent them the Messiah that they needed. But it wasn't in the type of package. It wasn't visually. It wasn't politically what lined up with their thinking. It wasn't what they wanted. And let's read that again. Verse 5. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And look at verse 6. Would you underline this? Would you circle this? He was amazed by their lack of faith. He was amazed by their lack of faith. The friends, the neighbors, the people who, 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 who man, maybe I think some of these, maybe some of these people, did they buy like chairs and tables from his dad, Joseph? I don't know, right? Maybe some of them, it's, it's like the, the, the very neighbors he had, they're like, man, that's the guy that built my kitchen. That's the carpenter. I don't know. I, I mean, try to, like, try to place yourself in this story, right? I don't know what is going on here, but that's the guy that is that, he's really skilled as a carpenter, but he can't be the Messiah. He can't be the one we have been waiting for. His daddy laid out my kitchen plan, right? He built all our chairs, whatever it is. But Jesus said this, here's the problem. They withheld honor from him. They saw him as simply ordinary. And because they saw him as ordinary, there was nothing extraordinary that happened. Watch out. Watch out. When you see Jesus as common, right? It says they saw him as ordinary. They saw him as common. They took him for granted, and nothing extraordinary happened. Nothing cool occurred in Nazareth, right? Would you write this down if you can? But in, in the Greek, uh, the translation, the, 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 the Greek word for honor is timi, and it, it looks like the word time, but it's, it's very similar. It says this, the definitions for the word in the original language are precious, weighty, gold, such as gold, weighty, such as gold. I, I'm, I'm, I, almost, I think of like Smeagol and the way he loved that ring. It was his precious. I can't do a good Smeagol imitation. I'm sorry. But the definitions for honor, it's valuing something. It's, your pre- it's precious to you. It's weighty, such as gold. More definitions, appreciation, regard, respect, esteem. And I think sometimes we can look at the, the word that we're talking about today. After all, living out honor in the ordinary. What does dishonor look like? I mean, we could easily be like, it's the exact opposite of everything you just said. And that would be correct, actually, right? But it would be to not show value, to not show respect, to treat as common, to treat as ordinary. In the Greek language, you could think of something as common, light, easily done away with. I love this definition in the original language. To think of something that could vanish easily, such as a vapor. Dishonor, dishonor. The thing about this word that I notice And I think many times we can display these traits. It can be put in a physical sense for us today. Honor is one of those where it can often be shown in our actions, can't it? Right? It's often shown in what we do. It's often shown in our words. It's often shown parents and how we parent. I was picking up my kids a couple weeks ago. Um, I, I, I had taken a, I went from San Diego to Anaheim to drive my kids home from California Adventure. And as we were sitting in the, uh, as we were sitting in the mall area, we're waiting for these, these girls to finish shopping. How many of you know that can take a while? 
uh, waiting for my wife and a couple of the girls to finish shopping. I'm sitting with one of my daughters, and this little kid is just screaming his lungs out. And I get it, man. You're leaving Disneyland. It's the end of the day. But he's screaming like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And we're in downtown Disney. I'm just waiting. I'm like, can we please get out of here? Can we please get out of here? And I almost, I, I sat there for a long time. We're just waiting. It was about 20 minutes. And this kid just constantly is screaming. Literally probably hundreds and thousands of people walked by this kid just screaming. And it was interesting because the mom comes out of the bathroom because he's sitting next to dad in a stroller. And dad is doing an amazing job parenting. You want to know what dad's doing? He's sitting staring at his phone. I was like, bro, if you're going to be a bad parent, at least hand the phone to the kid to shut him up. Right? The phone, pacifier, right? It's like, my gosh. So we're sitting there, and, and Peyton's sitting there, and she's like, Dad, what is wrong with them? And then the mom comes out of the restroom, and he screams at her and, like, tries to hit her. And, and he keeps going, like, this, this tantrum. And part of me is just like, it's almost like I'm horrified, but I'm enjoying the show. I'm seeing this train wreck of parenting on display that I'm just like, I want some popcorn. Is, right? Just kind of like, where is this going to go? But the reality is, like, if your child is over the, like, 16 months and throwing public temper tantrums, I'm sorry, there's, a, there's an honor issue already going on. You may not like hearing that. That's a tough, like, that's a tough one to hear, and there's no excuse for it. And I watch this situation. The kid goes crazy. He disrespects mom, who literally gave birth to this child, right? The mom tolerates it, and the dad was passive. And this issue of honor and how we honor, like I'm sitting there going, this guy does, how's this marriage going? Because he doesn't even know how to honor his wife by taking charge, right? Honor, it's, it's, it's often, it's found in our actions. But the reality is honor begins also in our hearts. These people, these neighbors, instead of seeing Jesus as divine, instead of seeing Jesus as amazing, all they could think of was Jesus as ordinary, and I love this. Would you write this down? Because all they thought of Jesus was ordinary, all they got was the ordinary. That's all they got. I, I just think, man, could you imagine being around thousands of years ago and encountering Jesus? Like, now knowing what we know, and all you got was a couple sick people healed from strep throat? Right? We know Jesus was capable of so much more, abundantly more than we could ask or imagine, but all they got was a couple sick people healed. And how sad for those people in Nazareth, because they missed it. They missed him. They didn't get it. A few people were healed, but I think it's safe to say, right, this was only a fraction. This is only a portion of what Jesus could do. How many of us were with us last week? There was this story from last week, and we talk about honor. And I think it's interesting, there was this story of these men who brought their friend who was not only sick, he was paralyzed for life. They brought him in a stretcher to Jesus and they couldn't get into the party so they broke the roof off the place and they lowered their friend down. And the Bible says this in Luke chapter 5, we were here last week, when Jesus saw the faith of these men caring for their friend, he said to the paralyzed man, he said, son, your, your sins are forgiven. Later he told him to walk. And so today, something to keep in mind when these, we talk about these people in Nazareth, these, these family members in Nazareth, the people he grew up with, and we compare them to the faith of these men that lowered their paralyzed friend down through the roof. 
And how many of you enjoyed that amazing Donut Man rendition on Instagram that we had this week, right? There's a hole in my roof. It's the truth. I wouldn't spoof. It was chopped there for a man with diseases, and they lowered him to see Jesus. Anybody remember the Donut Man in the house? No? It's all good. We see the example of their faith. We see the opposite in the example of the Pharisees and the Sadducees that so often they dishonor Jesus just with their thoughts, their questions, their tricks, their spying, right? Constantly. It sounds like the, the Pharisees were constantly spying on Jesus and just about everybody else. They were like checking everyone for their sin, right? The people of Nazareth, they may have liked Jesus, but they just saw a few sick people get better. But the people who had faith, the people who recognized Jesus, the people that lowered their friend down through the roof because of their faith saw their friend stand up, pick up his mat, and they saw their friend walk home because of Jesus. But I believe this. Would you write this down? The results are directly related to honor. The results are directly related to honor. How serious we are. Are we honoring Jesus in all that we say? Are we honoring Jesus in all that we do? But just as important, are we honoring Jesus in the way that we think? Are we constantly being transformed by what? The renewing of our mind. Is our mind being renewed, honoring him in our hearts? Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. Our final kind of portion of scripture. And I love this story as well because... It deals with a man that understands honor. It deals with a man that understands authority. And he's known as the Roman centurion soldier. Any former or current military people in the house, raise your hand. Throw them up. Come on. All right. right, Throw them up. Let's go. Let's go. Any police officers in the house, right? I think our, our, our police officers, our firemen, our military... There's a group of people that I believe they, they, they know a little bit more about authority and honor because of the way it's been practiced in their livelihood, the way it's been practiced in, 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 in the police department or the military or the fire department, right? But here we go. Let's get into this story. Verse 5, Jesus returned to Capernaum. A Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Verse 6, Lord, my young servant lies in bed paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. And look at Jesus' response, right? We talked last week about being interrupted. All throughout his ministry, Jesus was interrupted by people. People tend to interrupt what we have going on that day. And look what Jesus said. That's fine. I'll I'll come and I will show up. I've got the energy right now. I will come and heal him. But verse 8, here we go, this faith on display. The officer says, Lord, I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. Can we stop right there for a moment? I'm not worthy to have you come into my house. So think about who is saying this. The Roman soldier says, you, I, I, I'm not worthy to have you, O oh Jesus, enter my home. Church, the Romans conquered the Jewish people. They occupied the Jewish people, right? This would be like a colonel in the U.S. military telling a, an Iraqi electrician, I'm not worthy to come into your house. Think about that for a minute. Right? It, that, that's like what this, like he says, we occupy you, we, we own your people, and I'm not worthy to come into your house. He sees something about Jesus that is powerful. It's all over this rabbi, this teacher. He sees something about Jesus that he honors, that he respects, that he is blown away by. I would say it like this. He sees something about Jesus, he, he holds him in high regard. 
He holds him in high esteem. He says, I'm not even worthy to have you, Jesus, enter my home. How many of us would feel the same way? Like, oh man. He goes on in the next verse. Let's say this, and here we go. Just say the word from where you are, and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. Just give the command. Just give the okay from this location, and my servant will be healed. And look at, he goes on. This is like the greatest, what a message this man gives. Verse 9. He doesn't, even, he doesn't even say, like, I'm not even sure. He said, I know this. I know this because I am under the authority of my superior officers, and I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. The, the Bible says this man was a Roman centurion, and a legion contained 6,000 soldiers with 60 centurions in it. This centurion, it's thought, this centurion it's thought he, he was reporting to a commander above him, but he had a hundred soldiers below him, underneath him. And I would say it like this, just as he wielded this authority in the military, he understood that Jesus held the authority in the spiritual realm. His reasoning is like, Jesus, you just need to speak and it will happen because that's how commands work when you are in power. When you are in charge, you just give the word and it is done. Verse 10, when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. And I tell you this, that many Gentiles will come from all over the world, from east to west, sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob at the feast in the kingdom of heaven. Verse 12, and this is one of those scriptures, ouch, watch out. When you think Jesus was just a prophet or just a teacher or just a nice guy, no, he's, he's letting you know he's in charge. Verse 12, but many Israelites, those for who the kingdom was prepared, will be thrown into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Verse 13, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. Go back home because you believed it has happened. And then it, get this, it says, would you underline this? The young servant was healed in that same hour. The young servant was healed in that same hour. The, the soldier understood spiritual authority. He understood honor. And can we say it like this? Because of his understanding, because of his practice, his servant was healed. We've covered some, some wonderful portions of Scripture, but the whole point of any message, you know, it's to apply it. The whole point of, of like gathering here today, yes, it's to be built up. Yes, it's to fellowship. Yes, it's to, to hang out. But really, the whole point is, God, how can we apply your word to my life this week? How can I apply it right now in this given situation? In my life today, how can I apply this word? And in the book of Matthew, Jesus continues and he talks about all the different bases of honor. And in this scripture, you're going to see this, and maybe you could write this down. Jesus talks about, here's what we're called to do, to just simplify it as much as possible. We need to honor those in authority over us. We need to honor those in authority above us, because there's somebody everywhere. We need to honor those in authority that are on our level, and we need to honor those in that are under our care. Jesus breaks it down in Matthew chapter 10, verse 40. Would you read this? He says, anyone who receives you receives me, 
And if anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me, if you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you will be given the same reward as a prophet. And if you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you will be given a reward like theirs. And if you're given even a cup of cold water to one of the least of my followers, he says, you will surely be what? I like this. You're going to be rewarded. The dynamics Jesus charges his believers with, he says, look, honor those above you. He says, honor those on your level and honor those that are under your care. And really, that dynamic, every person that we encounter falls into one of those categories. And you might be like, well, how does that apply to me at the grocery store? Well, are they not under, like if you're a Christ follower and they don't know Jesus, they don't believe in Jesus, shouldn't we care for them? Right? Right? It all begins with Jesus. How do we honor him? How do you view him? Can we go back to that definition? Do we view Jesus as valuable, as weighty, as precious, as favorable? Do we, we hold him in high esteem, high regard? Or do we kind of just treat Jesus like our, our buddy? Right? Do we kind of just treat Jesus like our homeboy? Do we kind of treat Jesus like it's an optional relationship? Right? Do we treat our relationship with God that way? Like it's like, you know, I don't have time for whatever today. I don't have time to get in your word. I don't have time for church today. I don't have time, right? Well, here's, here's a question. And, and when we talk about like not forsaking the saints getting together, right? I always like to think about this. You know, a husband or a wife, if you're married in the house today, how many of you know night after night, week after week, husband or wife, one of you can choose to not come home and sleep in the same room, sleep under the same roof. One of you can choose to not come home for quite a while, and you will still be married, right? Unless you take like legal action. But somebody can choose. Here's the point. You can choose to not come home over and over and over again. But here's the truth. If you don't come home, will that relationship suffer? Why would it be any different in our relationship with God? You know, you can, you can love the Lord. You can love Jesus and just say, you know what, I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in God's house. That scripture doesn't need to apply to me. And I would say, all right, you, you, you can think that way. But the reality is if you neglect your time in God's house, the relationship with God will suffer. It will suffer because you're not holding him in high regard. Are we giving him a place of honor in our hearts? So as we close, would you write that down? God, am I giving you a place of honor in my heart today? Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come and we thank you today for just being able to gather. God, being able to, to see friends, to talk to friendly faces, to, to do life with people that you've blessed us to do life with. But God, help us to honor you more. God, help us to honor Jesus more. And when we do that, we will honor people so much more. Because when we value you, we will value people. When we value your son, we will value people. When we value wisdom from the Holy Spirit, we will value people. Because we will begin to be transformed by the way we think. We will begin to be changed by what we see. We will begin to allow ourselves, like last week, to be interrupted. God, allow us to be interrupted and honor and love people. God, help us not to remind people of where they fall short, but God, help us show your favor 
God, help us show your favor to unbelievers to the max. God, help us to show your favor. As we pray, as every head bowed, every, all of our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and I just want to ask, maybe you just need to experience a touch from the Heavenly Father. Maybe you just needed to be reminded during that worship today that He knows your name. He knows you. He sees you. He sees your tears. He sees your pain. He sees your brokenness. He sees your hurt. He sees your frustration. Maybe you're here today and you just need to experience a touch from Him. I just want to tell you, our God wants to know you. He wants to have a relationship with you. He wants you to know He has forgiven you. He wants you to know that He cares for you so much. He cares so much that He sent Jesus. The Bible says His one and only Son. And it says that whosoever. I love that. Whosoever. Whosoever believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. I want to ask you with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Maybe you're here today and you haven't made a decision to follow Jesus. You haven't made a decision to say yes to his forgiveness, to his grace. You haven't made that decision. I just want to tell you, the Bible says he stands at the door and he knocks and he's just waiting. He's waiting. He's making an appeal to you today. Where are you at with this Jesus? Maybe it's something that you've just walked away from. Maybe you're watching online and you don't even know why you tuned in today, but you're here, and I want to tell you, he's making an appeal to you. He's making himself known to you. Maybe you're here today, and you're in that 30-year-old, 40-year-old bracket, 20-year-old bracket, and you're like, I, I kind of ran off and did the prodigal thing. I remember that prodigal son story when I was a kid, and Jesus is saying, come on home. Jesus is saying, come on home. I want to offer you covering and forgiveness Bible says Jesus went to the cross so that anyone that calls on his name would be forgiven, would be transformed, and would be changed. That when you become a Christ follower, when you believe in Jesus, that old is gone, the new is come. You can be a brand new on the inside. You don't need to be the same anymore. You don't need to think the same. You don't need to feel the same. But a new life can begin. And it begins, we believe, by just acknowledging him. Is there anyone here that just wants to acknowledge Jesus in this house today? You just want to say, you know what, I, I just need to acknowledge him. One of the ways we do it is we just lift our hand. We just lift our eyes. If you're at home, there, there's nobody that can see your hand going up, but God sees. And he says, will you acknowledge me? I want to give you a chance. Will you acknowledge him today? If that's you, if you fit into any of those categories, maybe you need to come back home. Maybe you've never said yes to him. Would you just acknowledge him in this house? I'm just going to count to three. And would you just lift your hand or lift your eyes in my way? One, two, and three. Would you just acknowledge him? If he, I see you in the back there. I see you. I see you over here. I see you over there, sir. I see you over there. I see you over there. Let's acknowledge him in this house. Can we pray? If you lifted your hand and say, you know what? I've been doing it my way for a while and I'm done. I want to do it your way. Can we all pray this? Church, let's pray together. Heavenly Father. I just ask you to forgive me. Come on. Let's just tell him, God, forgive me. Change me. Make me new. Jesus, be my Savior. And here's what we need to pray. Can we say this together? Jesus, just forgive me for doing it my way. 
Because that's really as simple as it gets. We like doing it our way, don't we? Jesus, forgive me for doing it my way. Help me do things your way. Help me know your word so I can do it your way. Help me know your playbook so I can know the plays I need to run for my life. Can we pray this, church? Fill me with your spirit. And Jesus, be my king, be my Lord. I hold you in high regard. I make you a big deal. I hold you with the utmost esteem and respect. Thank you for saving me. Can we say that? Come on, if, if, if you've been following Jesus for like 50 years or five minutes, can we say, Jesus, thank you for saving me. Come on, church. Somebody say, thank you for saving me, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. And a special thanks to those who give to Cornerstone. You know, it's because of you, our ministry, it's possible. Uh, you can click the link in the description to give now or visit us at cornerstonelv.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe. You can share it with friends, share it with family. Help us spread God's word. You can also join us live every Sunday. We invite you 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. We stream service live. Thank you again for listening.